Stefan Yaakov in Mitzrayim. That's, that's my topic. Uh, I, I can even divide up Yaakov's life into two parts. Uh, the two parts don't seem to have anything to do with each other, really. The first part of Yaakov's life is he was exiled from Eretz Canaan. He was afraid that Esau was going to do him in. His parents forced him actually to run away. He ran away to Ur Kastim. We met up with the family of Lavan. And there he married, he had four wives. But somehow he managed to keep them together. He left with a certain amount of property and he came back to Eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael, in Eretz Yisrael he uh, confronted Esau and somehow was able to get through it, this confrontation, and reestablished himself as a resident of Eretz Kinaan. Now, at that time, if you look at the, the Pesukim in Periklamit Gimel, Pesukten, Vayomer Esav. Do you remember they were, they were trading gifts with each other? Yaakov giving to Esav and Esav giving to Yaakov. So the Pasuk says, Vayomer Esav, Yesh li rab, achi yilcha shelcha. He says, so Esav says, I'm, I have plenty of money. I've got plenty of everything. I don't need gifts from you. Okay. Yeshli Rav. Okay. Pasuk Yud. Vayome Yaakov. Vayome Yaakov. Alna. Imna matzati chen beinecha. No, no, he says to him. If I find favor in your eyes, v'lakachta min chati miyadi. So take my gift from my hands. Sounds like a bit of an exaggeration. I see your face like seeing the face of God. And you have made me feel, I feel good about that. So uh, uh, Rashi, Rashi says, the whole Rashi, Pasugyud, Alna. Alna Tomali came. Alna. Na means a little more than. You know, like you could, there's a tsivui, and if you add the word no to a tsivui, it sort of means please, or pretty please. A tsivui with a please. He says, Im no if I have not found favor in your eyes. Take my gift. Because that's why I see your face. Rashi says, You should take my gift in exchange for my seeing you, for my seeing your face. They are, it's, it's important to me that I see your face, Esav, as it was, 
as it was Kiryat uh, Malach, like seeing the face of the angel, seeing the face of the angel. Remember, I saw your your officer, the one representing you. I saw Sar the old Alshe Nidrat Sukhani. Furthermore, you were you were able to forgive my uh, my deviations, the bad things that I did. The Lama Malach Rashi asks. So why did Yaakov mention the angel? in order that he should be afraid of him. He saw angels and he was saved. I can't do anything to him. So Rashi, Rashi like brings in different themes that have to do with this confrontation of Yaakov and Esav. How Yaakov face to face with Esav was able to say to him, you remember, you remember when I did battle with the angel? Remember that I did okay and I actually beat him down. So just remember that before you decide what you're going to do. One more pasuk, pasuk yud alif, pasuk yud alif. Katna et birchati asher huvat lach ki chanani elokim v'chi yeshli kol. Again, look at the pasuk. Katna, please. Take et birchati asher lach. Take this bracha. He means the present that I'm bringing you, the things that I that I want to give you. Ki chanani elokim. Chan chanani is the Hebrew word chen. God looked favorably upon me. Right? I have I have everything that I need. V'chi yesh li kov, and I have everything, right? I have everything, which reminds us of the summary of the life of Avraham Avinu, right? The summary of the life of Avraham Avinu was, was, I don't see the pasuk, but it says it says Hashem beirachet Abraham v'kol, right? And kol kol became a subject of uh, of interesting parashanot. Hashem beirachet Abraham v'kol. What is v'kol? How do you ever get to v'kol? But the reason that I'm mentioning it is because that's what Yaakov says about himself, and just like that's a summarizing pasuk. Hashem beirachet Abraham v'kol is like. And that's the way it was, and that's the end of the story, and that's that's who Yaakov, who Abraham became. The same thing is true when Yaakov talks to Esau. He says, he says, Hashem, What is Yeshlikol? That's the end of the story. That's the end of the story of Yaakov. I mean, how you can't do better 
better than coal. You get he's, he's back to where he belongs, and he has enough uh, a property to uh, not to be afraid. And he's obviously not afraid of Esav, his enemy, his stated enemy. So this is the end of the life of Yaakov, part one. And, and, and in the beginning of the parasha, Vayeshev, Rashi quotes the Medrash, Vayeshev Yaakov, Bikesh Lashevet Vishalva, Kavtsa Alav Rokzoshal Yosef, which means he wanted to retire. He, Yaakov, wanted to retire, meaning not that he's not going to do anything at all, but, but if we look at the lives of the Avot as forging the DNA of Am Yisrael, of creating uh, 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 genetic elements which would serve us to identify us as a nation, Avraham Chesed and Yitzchak Gvura and Yaakov Tiferet, well, that's the Kabbalistic notation which has, you know, a further meaning. But if we would say that, so I think that Bikesh Lashevet Meshalva was that Yaakov Avinu had a certain sense that his job had been fulfilled. And the Rabban said, what was his job? His job was that, that you could live through the diaspora. You could live through the punishment, right? That B'nai Yisrael will be punished in the future, in future history, and they'll have the wherewithal they will have the wherewithal, they B'nai Yisrael will have the wherewithal to live through it and to come, in, in other words, Gula is not something that just comes, but you have to be worthy of, there's got to be something left to you. You have to have some kind of spirit, right, to, otherwise, otherwise Gula doesn't really mean anything, right? Gula doesn't mean anything. So I think that that pasuk, right, Chiyeshtiko, indicates that uh, Rashi says, Yeshli uh, Kol, you see the last Rashi in that section? Yeshli Kol, Kol Sipuki. I have everything that I need. Everything that I need. Esav, however, when he spoke to Yaakov, spoke in a haughty manner, Yeshli Rav, he said. Rav, according to Rashi, I have much more than I need. And Yaakov said, I have what I need. So Rashi sees that as being two attitudes, two different attitudes. But there's no doubt, there's no doubt that coal could legitimately be compared to the coal of Avram Avinu. And coal means the end of the story. It's the end of the story. You don't say, Yeshli Kol, if you're in the midst of the story, even if, even if you have a lot, even if you're rich, I mean, you could be very rich and, uh, and, uh, and suffering from bad public relations today, right? So you have to get over it. You have to get over the bad public relations. Okay, there's, an, there's another puzzle. Yeah. What? You could also lose it like Eo, right? Nothing is like Eo. I think. Eov is like. Uh, you have it now, but you have can't even imagine it. Yeah. Perik member, the second Pasuk. Here you see this Pasuk. There's a meeting. 
I mean, like I want to know, having said that, that's point number one. Point number two is I want to know about the relationship between Yosef and Yaakov, which is described in the parasha of Vayichi, in our parasha. How'd they get along? I mean, we know that Yosef was very anxious to see his father. And he created all kinds of uh, 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 system. He created all kinds of plans to, to get his father to come to Mitzrayim. Right? We know that. And how did Yaakov get along with Yosef? So this is the possum. Here's a possum about their meeting. But Yesor Yosef Merkavto. Yesor refers to tying the horses to the chariot. Right? You tie that thing. Not having ever done it, would seem to me that that's what somebody has to do. So Yosef did it himself. Right? Yosef was so anxious to go to see his father. Vayal Likrat Yisrael Aviv. Goshna. And he went to meet his father in Goshen. What is Goshen? What is Goshen? According to the description in the Torah, Goshen is not Egypt. And whatever it is you, whatever the rules are for Mitzrayim, like you have to worship a certain way and you have to treat certain kinds of animals with deference, that's not in Goshen. So, so Yosef said, look, let's meet in Goshen. I want to get into trouble. I don't want to get you into trouble. Let's be in Goshen. Vayan lekrat Yisrael Aviv Goshen. Vayera elav. Vayera elav. And he saw him. He was seen by him. Vayipol al tzavarav. Vayek al tzavarav. Oh, this phrase, vayipol al tzavarav, he fell on his necks. Necks, plural, in Hebrew. But that's a different, that's a different question. But, but when I read this pasuk, Who's doing it? Who's the subject of the pasuk? Look, vayesor Yosef mekato Yosef, vayalikrat Yisrael Aviv Yosef, right? Goshna, vayirai elav Yosef, vayipol al tzavarav Yosef, vayev al tzavarav od Yosef. In other words, the pasuk doesn't say anything about Yaakov. Yaakov sort of just standing there. He was forced uh, uh, by circumstance and by the pleading of his children to go to Mitzrayim and to meet up with Yosef. But when he gets there, when he gets there, you see that Yosef is anxious to meet his father and his father is not anxious to meet with him. At least it doesn't say that in the Pasuk, right? So here we have Vayevkat Sabarav. Rashi, the Rashi. He saw Yosef Merkavto, who at small, asar et hasusim la Merkava. He himself tied the, the horses to the chariot. Liz dares lichvod aviv. He wanted to do the mitzvah. That's how Rashi thinks about things. He wanted to do the mitzvah of of kibbutzav. Right? There was a mitzvah of kibbutzav that Yosef had to do. And he was willing to do it. He undertook to do it again. What about Yaakov? We don't know. Nothing. Vayirai love Yosef Dira El Aviv. Again, Yosef appears to his father. You know, like, like uh, uh, every time a, a royalty, royalty appears, it's like an event. They try to make it into an event. I mean, you can't be royal and regular. You have to be 
royal and so so a royal appears. He doesn't, it's not like they saw each other. Yaakov is standing there, he doesn't see anything. All of a sudden, Yosef appears in the, you know, in, I guess in the outfit, in the outfit of the second in command. So Rashi says, uh, that's what Rashi says. A lot of crying. A lot of crying. Who cried? Yosef, again. Yosef was crying. Right? The, and the and second part of Rashi. Aval, you see Rashi, the last line in the Rashi, the second word. Aval. Yaakov lo nafal al-tabre Yosef Rashi says it, but Feirush. But I think it, it, that's what it said. Doesn't say in the pasuk. Doesn't say that Yaakov had, had a strong emotional reaction, not having seen his son for over twenty years, thinking he was dead, finding out suddenly that he was alive. Here they meet. Yaakov went under duress. He went. Didn't want to. He didn't want to go to Mitzrayim. He was forced to go to Mitzrayim for whatever reason. And here he meets his son. He looks at him, and he's wearing not Rembrandt's outfit, but he's wearing an outfit. He's wearing something that only kings wear, whatever that, whatever that was. Right? Right. So he says, uh, Rashi says, Amazing. Yaakov did not fall on the necks of Yosef and did not kiss him. And Rashi says, uh, everybody knows that Chachomim said that Yaakov, Yaakov Avinu was saying Kriyat Shema. What does that mean? It means he was, he was being Yaakov in the face of a, of a difficult reality. He was being Yaakov. Yaakov said Kriyat Shema. Chazal. Right? Yaakov said Kriyat Shema. Yaakov was, he was in that world, the world of people who said Kriyat Shema. And where was Yosef? I don't know. But not in that world. He was like jumping on him and hugging him and kissing him. Right? You know, it was like, uh, uh, I don't know, some, uh, some award ceremony for could movies. It, could it have been that until that time he saw it, he saw, he saw Yosef, he was, what is that, Onan? What is that when your dead is, your dead is not buried? When the dead, between death and burial is called a... Oh, no, 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 no. Yes, and so he couldn't pray all that time. So it's the first time he could say Shema in all those bunch of years, because suddenly... What can I tell you? Okay, huh? okay good. No, that's, that's an interesting uh, idea. <laughs> that's very interesting. That's, that's the method of, of interpretation that makes everybody into a good guy. <laughs> and I'm here to make... The difference. I don't want everybody to be a good guy. So, so, uh, so look, look at the next, the next section. We did this already, right? Breishit Perik Mem Zayin. It says this. There's no Rashi. Vayikrevu Yemei Yisrael Lamut. Vayikralim Noli Yosef. Remember the story? Vayikrevu Yemei Yisrael Lamut. Right? He was getting close to death. Because you know he like he was lying there, nothing worked right. Feet didn't work, his arms didn't work, his head didn't work. So that's why Yikrivu, when you make Yisrael Amut, by Yikra live no the Yosef, by Yomelo. 
Now he calls his son, his son who supposedly was waiting with bated breath for him to arrive in Mitzrayim, who was like making his brothers miserable in order to make sure that the father would eventually come to his father, and Binyamin, but the father, and here's Yaakov talking to Yosef. You know, he's making a plea. He's like he's going to the king and he's saying, you know, could you give me a donation for this important work that I'm doing? If you, if you like me. Imagine father saying to his son, if you like me, especially after Yosef had proven, I think without a doubt, that he was like totally committed to the idea of seeing his father again. He says, what do you mean? Then he said, It's like, remember when Avram Avinu made Eliezer swear that he would come back with a girl for him, for his son, and he made him take an oath. Well, Eliezer was not his son, was not the son of Avram Avinu. I mean, you had to make it, there had to be certain clarity. But here, what what is what does Yaakov want? He says, What kind of conversation is this? In a business affair. Two people meet in the street and they say, Look, I have a little money and I have a piece of property. Let's do let's make a deal. So they need a lawyer. But but the father and the son, they don't need a lawyer. But here it's Yaakov Avinu. He says, Asita Imadi Chesed Ve'emet. What is this? What do you mean, Alnatik Bereini Bimitzrayim? All of his family is in Mitzrayim. Everybody who is supposed to become part of the Yitziat Mitzrayim, they were all in Mitzrayim. They were all waiting for history to make it possible for them to come back to Eretz Kenan. Finally, at the end, Yosef makes this condition, which is when you come out of Mitzrayim, you go back there and say, take my body with me. So what is it that Yaakov needed so much to be buried in Eretz Kenan? There was no one there who was going to visit the grave. It's not as though, it's not as though that this is a kind of a spiritual event, but that's what he says, I'll not dig Bereini Mitzrayim. Why not? Why not? I mean, everybody's going to be buried in Mitzrayim. His children, his grandchildren, all the generations, they're all going to be buried in Mitzrayim until they leave. Until they leave. Veshachavti im avotai. I want to be interned with my forefathers. Unisatanim in Mitzrayim. Carry me from Mitzrayim. And bury me in their burial places. Vayomer anochi e'ezet. This is like really remarkable. is remarkable. It's not good enough. It's not good enough that Yosef says, I'll do it. He says, swear to me, take an oath. What does that mean? To bow down. Who, who bowed down to whom? I mean, what is Israel bowing down to Yosef? I mean, do they have, what's their relationship? Is it a father and a son? Or is it a king and a, and a peon, a peasant of some sort? I mean, what's the relationship between the two? From here, it sounds like they're not father and son. 
and the Thakabu. So I think I think that these Psukim indicate indicate first of all another indication that Yaakov and Yosef were not close in the manner of that we would think of closeness, where you uh, where kibud av is sort of implied. Like you don't have to, the father doesn't have to make a deal with his son that uh, don't sit in my seat or give me something to eat. Or like, you know, it's part of the, the halachic reality. So here you see that the father and the son were not so close to each other and did not, and, and for some reason the father, we said before, for some reason the father wants to be buried in, in two things. He wants two things. He wants to be married, buried in Maratha Machpelah, right in Hebron, but he wants Yosef to do it, right? Now it could be that he wants Yosef to do it because he thought that Yosef could do it, because he was the second in command to the king. But it could be that there's some other reason, that there's another reason that he wanted Yosef to do it. Now if we turn over the page, we have, uh, the, I think it's, it's many psukim or parasukim, of Perik, of Perik Manfet. We could, we could do it. We could do it. After the story that we've just told, another indication. Like he wasn't there. He wasn't there every day. Even though Rashi says, you see the Rashi? A magid is a person who talks to you, like, uh, usually it's somebody who appears in your sleep, you know, it, like tells you things. Like the Beit Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo had a magid, and he told him Divrei Torah and the Parsha, which were then printed in a book. Uh, so, it's hard to, it's hard to say that Rabbi Yosef Karo was, uh, was not with it. I mean, he was definitely with it. But that's what he said. Okay, this is Rashi's grammatical note. It's a sh- it, it leaves out the piece. It should, it should have said, It doesn't say that. Talmud. That his son, that Yosef's son Ephraim, was the the studious one, and he would go to Yaakov to study Talmud with him. Yaakov Goshen, Halach Ephraim, Aviv Vigidlo. So this Rashi is really interesting. It's really because it says it says that in Goshen. What was happening in Eretz Goshen? Jewish life. There were children learning Torah, and the children learning Torah could even talk to their grandparents who had learned Torah previously. Case in point, Ephraim, who was learning Torah with his grandfather, Yaakov. And this was in Eretz Goshen. And where was, where was Yosef? Well, Yosef was where the king of Egypt's got to be. In Egypt, he wasn't in Goshen. Was in Goshen, so you have a pasuk. The pasuk of Yehar doim eilev ayomeli Yosef v'neavir cholem because he really he wasn't there. Yosef was not there. So communication in the ancient world, I guess, was more difficult than we could imagine. I mean, they didn't they didn't have cell phones, 
They didn't even have those old kinds of phones attached to the wall. Right? They used to have phones like that. But uh, they didn't have that either. So how was Joseph supposed to know anything? So he was lucky that he had a son whose name was Ephraim, who was learning with Yaakov and who was able, was able to run to tell his father what had happened. And where was his father? Halach Ephraim ate Aviv Lemitzrayim. That means into the, the, the borders of the country that is called Mitzrayim, right? That has like a place, there's a place, and Goshen is not there. It's not that Goshen is like Brooklyn in New York. Goshen is like almost a different country. There were no Egyptians there. There were no Egyptians there. That, that's, that's how it was. Then, the second puzzle says, I'm sorry, Now here, Yosef, heard that his father was very sick, so he takes his two children, his two children in, uh, with him. Rashi says, Yosef, he had, he, he had his agenda. He wanted to get his kids started out in the right way, and he wanted a, he wanted a bracha. Now, it's hard to know what bracha exactly he wanted, and whether he was trying to usurp the position of the other brothers, it was even though Yosef said several times that he wasn't angry at them and that he wasn't uh, going to take, take advantage of them and he wasn't going to punish them for what they did when they sold him into slavery. Nevertheless, here you see he's practicing a kind of one-upmanship. He's grabbing his kids. He's saying, let's go to, to Yaakov and you get a bracha. We already know, we already know that you could run out of brachot. It's not like today, where you just say the same thing over and over again. Uh, you don't even have to say it. You could just, you know, sort of like, not say it. Vayaged is pasuk bet. Vayaged liyakova yoma hinei bin chayosei ba'ilecha. Again, a statement, and it said, and they told Yaakov, hey, uh, here's your son Yosef, like, okay, it could be that that was the formal way, but we're talking about Goshen now. And if, Yaak, if Yosef shows up, he must have showed up with his full battle dress, right, and with a chariot, with horses pulling him, so they say. So of course everybody knew it was, Yo, it was Yosef. Okay. V'itchazek Yisrael v'yeshev al-amita. And, yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and Rashi says, V'itchazek Yisrael, you see? V'itchazek Yisrael, Yisrael, like, he pulled himself together. He didn't want to be in bed sick, so he sort of like pulled himself up. He pulled himself up. So Yaakov said, even though it's my son, he is, after all, a king, and I will give him the honor that he deserves. So again, again, you have another reference in Rashi to the distance between the father and the son. Right? The, the, father, the father was, in some regard, a regular person, and the son was a king. So it occurred to the father that he should give, um, give the son kavod, the kavod of, of a king. Pasuk Gimel, Vayom Yaakov Yosef, El Shaddai, Nera Elai Beluz Ba'eretz Kenan Ba'evarechoti. And Yaakov said, I have a bracha. I have a bracha. I received the bracha from Hashem 
who appeared to me as I was going out of Eretz Yisrael, coming back to Eretz Yisrael, Beluz, Beretz Kenan, Vayivarechoti, Pasuk Dalet, Vayomer Eli, Hineni Mafrecha, Birbiticha, Unataticha, Lekalamim, I will make you a plenteous nation, and you'll, you'll be divided up into many, many smaller groups, so we know this is the bracha that Hashem gave Avram Avinu, right? Two things, Zerah, there are children, and there is land. That's, that's the bracha. So that's the bracha that Yaakov says that I got. I, Yaakov, got it. And so this is a mystery pasuk, in spite of the fact that everybody who you would ever teach this to thinks they know what the pshat is. But what is it? Let's look at the pasuk again. Shnei banecha, your two sons, he says to, uh, to Yosef, Anoladim lecha be'eretz Mitzrayim, who were born to you in Mitzrayim. Be'eretz Mitzrayim. Ad bo'iye lecha Mitzrayim before I came to Mitzrayim, they were born to you. Lihem, Lihem, I'm adopting them. I'm adopting the Ephraim and Menashe. Ephraim and Menashe, Kiruvim, Bishimon, Yuli. I know it is very difficult to understand what this might mean. Like, what was Yaakov thinking? I mean, why does he want to do this? I mean, what, what advantage is there? Usually, we know that inheritance... In inheritance, the Bechor has the right to Pishnai. So if there are four sons, you divide the property into five parts. And the oldest one, the Bechor, gets two, two parts. And the other sons get one part. This is not so effective today, where we, we do inheritance in a different way. But that's what Bechor means. So you get something. But Yosef, he didn't get anything. He didn't get anything because when the land was divided up in Canaan by Yoshua bin Nun, given out to all the different <coughs> shvatim, every mishpacha family got the same amount. Every family. So if you, the sachakol of all the land that Ephraim and Menashe got together would be exactly the same as the land at, that they would get if it was still Yosef. Hmm. No? Yeah. Why? What? So he didn't get anything. It, it was, it's not like a Bechor. A Bechor gets Pishnayim. And Pishnayim means you actually have profit. You get more than anybody else. That's what Pishnayim means. But here, in this case, in this case, when the land was divided up, every family got the same amount of land. Some amount of land. So the families of Ephraim and Menashe were exactly the same families as Yosef. There's no difference. There's no difference. So they didn't get anything. The two of them together got like one shade of it. They what? The, the two Shvatim of Ephraim and Menashe together got like one shade only? If they would call it Yosef, they would get the same amount. What? I understand, but what, what did they get for that? They got two halakim. 
No, they don't have to chalak <laughs> Every family is divided up by families. It means nuclear families. We not have, like the family that left the Mitzrayim, Yitziat Mitzrayim. That's, that's the family that counts. Each family gets a portion in Eretz Kenan. I thought that was only for each, within each shaven. Whatever the delineation no, of the no. shaven is, yeah. then you mm. divide that shaven by no. the number of... No, it's not, here, we look at Rashi. We look at Rashi. Yeah. You see Pasuk Vav in the Rashi? Pasuk Vav in the Rashi. Those that are born after I came are not, they don't have this deal. If you have more children, they will not be counted as my sons. But the children of the children who are born after I came to Mitzrayim, they will become part of Ephraim and or Menashe. Right? And or Menashe. And those born after, after I came, they will not be treated independently. They won't have a name as part, one of my sons, but Shvatim. They won't become one of the Shvatim, but the, the, the Shvatim are closed. There's no more Shvatim. Ephraim and Asher are in, nobody else is a Shevet. Uh, Rashi. You see Rashi? Avalpi. Rashi himself says it. Even though the land is divided up by heads, right? How many heads of families there are, right? Finishing the pasuk that if you have a shevet that is a lot of families in it, so they'll get more. And if you have a shevet, a shevet that has fewer families, so they'll get less. So you know that the tribe of Binyamin was very small, <coughs> because it just didn't have, for some reason, didn't have a lot of families. The tribe of Yehuda was very big. So if you look at one of those maps that have all the tribes in different colors, so you'll see Yehuda is big, and Binyamin is very small. Because you count the number of families in the shevet, and that's what you're going to get. It's not like you get territory and you divide it up amongst yourself. That's what, at least that's what Rashi says. The kol ishva ishtatal b'shaveh chutz min ha-bechorot. And everybody gets exactly the same, except, the Rashi says, for the bechorot of the family. Right of of each sub subdivision, In any event, Rashi says, only these Ephraim Menashe and the other sons of of uh, of Yaakov are called Shvatim. They're called Shvatim, and that's it. They're no more. They're uh, Okay, that's that's uh, that's enough. So the question is. The question is what, not the question, a question is, and so what did Yaakov think he was doing 
when he moved Ephraim and Menashe into Shvatim, right? What, what was the point of it? What was the point of it? And, and, and as I said, as I said up to now, it's very difficult to know what exactly the relationship of Yaakov to Yosef was. Right? It's difficult. Yosef is much more enthusiastic, is much more committed to the relationship, is much more open, is much more interested in getting brachot from his father for his sons. This is all Yosef. None of this is Yaakov. Yaakov's only contribution here is bury me in Hebron. Bury me now. Make sure you do it yourself. Don't wait until until uh, Yitziat Mitzrayim, when Moshe Rabbeinu could take me out of Mitzrayim with, Yo- with uh, Yosef himself, who is saved in Yitziat Mitzrayim and brought there its Canaan and buried. So I think, I think, I, I, I admit that uh, I don't like to tell you what I think. I tell you what other people think. But I think in this case, that, what, that you have to look at it in two ways. When Yaakov Avinu said that Ephraim and Menashe are going to be my sons, at the very same time, he said something else. He said, and Yosef will not be one of my sons. For some reason, for some reason, I think, that even though Yosef played a decisive role in the ongoing saga of the Jewish people. And without Yosef, it would not have happened. And there's no doubt that Yosef was the shaliach, the emissary of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to make all of this happen. <coughs> Nevertheless, Yosef sacrificed. He sacrificed his personality. He sacrificed his ideology. He sacrificed what he looked like. He was fully integrated into the Egyptian worldview. They couldn't tell who he was. They couldn't differentiate him from the rest of the of the uh, Egyptians. And you see, Rashi said, Ephraim, he was learning Torah with his grandfather. He lived in Goshen. He was whatever it meant in those days, he was part of the family of Am Yisrael. Yosef, according to Rashi, lived in Mitzrayim. He was, in order to function, in order to do his job, in order to be able to live up to what he was expected to live up to, he had to live in Mitzrayim. Yaakov lived in Goshen. In Goshen, they taught, they also taught Torah. The Rambam says, the Rambam quotes the Medrash that says that during the years in, uh, in Mitzrayim, even after, like next, the week after, next week's parasha, in Shemot, uh, it was uh, quite obvious. It was, it was, uh, <coughs> it was obvious that uh, that, the, that everybody was enslaved. Right? That's what it seems from the parasha. Chazal say, there's a medrash that says that even in the land of Goshen, when they were enslaved, 
the B'nai Levi were excluded. They somehow negotiated an exclusion for B'nai Levi, and the B'nai Levi sat and learned all the time. Now again, I'm not so interested in the historicity of it, or whether you can say it's correct or not, but it was the Chazal could not believe that Am Yisrael could be created if there wasn't a community of people learning Torah. They had to be there. You had to have that. Otherwise, you would lose everything. So here you see Ephraim. He was part of that community. Yosef was not part of that community. So in spite of the fact that this is something that everybody experienced, that he's a very important person, he, Yosef, is a very important person, and, and, and in certain lists, you know, the Shiva Rohim, that song that some people sing on Sukkot, nice song, and... and uh, uh, one of them is Yosef. And Yosef is called Yosef at Tzaddik because of his high moral uh, uh, feeling and attitude. But he was not in the family. It wasn't that Yaakov kicked him out. He was out. It was, that was the result of what had happened. So even though, even though Yosef was already the Melech in Israel. Yosef was, at the end of the story, rejected from Malchut. He was not going to become the king of Israel. Reuben was rejected because of what he did. And Shimon the Levi rejected because of what they did. And Yehuda, he was accepted. He, he, he showed a kernel of, uh, of uh, I don't know, of, uh, of uh, monarchy when he stood up to Yosef and spoke to him directly and told him what, what had happened and what had, to, what had to happen. So he was given that title, but Yosef was denied Malchut, even though he was a Melech. It's the amazing, the amazing thing about Yosef. Here's Yaakov. Yaakov has to appoint somebody, say something Malchuti about somebody before he dies at the end of uh, the parish of Ayechi. So what does he say? He has Yosef. Yosef right there. He says, okay, continue. Continue the good work. He says, no, not only are you not going to be the Melech, but to a certain extent, you're not even going to be. You're going to disappear. You're going to disappear, and instead of you, you're going to have Ephraim and Menashe. And what's the difference between Yosef and Ephraim and Menashe? Yosef, Yosef played the role and was apparently very good at it of a goy. Yosef was a non-Jew in his daily affairs, right? Even though it's true, they came home to the house and Yosef ate kosher food and they ate non-kosher food, but somehow, somehow the, it went for Yosef, it, it worked, right? People came and they stood, and here the brothers came and they stood with Yosef and talked to him. It never occurred to them that Yosef was anything but what he claimed, what he claimed to be. So this is the background to the, to the story of, of the slavery, of the enslaving the Jews. Now, according to, according to Yaakov, it was one thing, one thing that Yosef got them to come to Mitzrayim, which was necessary. But how could Yosef, how could Yosef build the nation of Israel if he was not involved in, in the Talmud Torah? He was not involved in being Jewish. Right, whatever Talmud Torah meant at that time. So I think that the story of Ephraim and Menashe is the story of the rejection of Yosef. 
not the rejection of Yosef as a historical character who had a very important role in getting us to be where we had to be, which was in Mitzrayim, but rejecting, rejecting the idea that Yosef, that is, that what he was in Mitzrayim had something to do with what would be, what would be in the future. Yosef was the, was the son who had a past, but didn't have a future, didn't have a future. And so Yaakov left him a present, and the present was bury me in Eretz Canaan, that you'll also be part of, of Yitziat Mitzrayim. You'll also reconnect in some way. Okay, all the best. And by, and by in doing that, therefore, he earns a place.